spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 163rd annual Subliminal Session podcast. Your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody. I'm joined by my pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Ah, not doing too bad. I think we should start the show off with an honorary congratulations to someone that we talk about a lot on this show by proxy. So this is Elon Musk's dad. We want to congratulate him for having his or going to be having his second child with his stepdaughter. So congratulations, sir. Oh, nice. That's, <laughs> that's a little weird. Yeah, his dad. So Elon Musk's dad. Yeah, got his is step- having a child with his his stepdaughter. The second of yeah, child. Sec- second okay. child with his stepdaughter. So congratulations, sir. You know, only rich people can have porno fantasies for their lives, I guess. So uh, <laughs> congratulations on. So Elon's gonna be a fa or gonna be a brother and an uncle at the same time. So that that's great there. Yeah. Well, it just goes to show you that uh, small town murder. They are right. You know, there's rednecks everywhere, and it doesn't really matter how much money you have, you can still be a white trash redneck. So that's nice. <laughs> yeah. You know, I when I read that story, it was funny, but I wasn't shocked, judging by the family. So. That's mm. where we are in life right now. I guess the, I, I go ahead. I do wonder how much spillage of money from Elon Musk does go to his family. You know what I mean? Is is Elon Musk is he real tight with his money or does it just kind of like shake out of his pockets wherever he walks, you know? That Wait, sort of thing. you do know his family is rich already. Were were they rich prior to him becoming a billionaire? Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. Okay. From what I've heard, apartheid-era emerald farmers in South Africa. Ah. So a lot of blood on their hands with that money. <laughs> okay, so some of Elon Musk, his money is very uh, very bloody, very yes, dirty. Yes, okay, gotcha. absolutely. <laughs> I don't think he wants people to know that history, but it is, it's out there. I guess the other thing we need to, we need to talk about in the news here is the new... James Webb Telescope apparently has already been damaged by <laughs> a little meteorite or something. I, th- I imagine space debris. Yeah. We, look, we know how shitty it is in our orbit, right? So, Oh, yeah. Uh, it's literally like Space Pittsburgh up there. That's how dirty it's getting. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's almost like an Oort cloud that surrounds the planet of. Basically, just <laughs> spent rocket boosters. Uh, anytime an astronaut has accidentally let go of a wrench and it just kind of like went away, yeah, you know, all of a sudden you have like a wrench that's just cruising around the fucking Earth's <laughs> atmosphere. So even like little pieces of plastic are just you know just out there. And every time, every time one of these satellites or something gets hit, you know, it's just like in an asteroid field. Every time asteroids collide, you have you know tiny little 
asteroids that come from it. So every time like any of that space junk collides with each other, that's even more space junk. So um, one other thing I heard, I we need to do more research. We might have to be nice to Pittsburgh for at least a week because apparently the Steelers, it's no longer Heinz Field. It's something else now. So they were like oh. removing the giant mustard bottles or ketchup bottles <laughs> from outside the stadium because it's like a bank or something now. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's sad. They need, that. they need to be sponsored by Mr. Clean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just a, giant, just a giant bald man's head. That'd be an awesome <laughs> stadium, honestly. Would be great. Terry Bradshaw's face is yeah. right above the stadium. Now, Phil, I know you wanted to talk about something uh, as well. What is that? Oh, I was just, well, before the show, I was asking you a little bit. I was seeing if you had watched the new Resident Evil television show on Netflix, the new series. Uh, no, I have not. It was not great. If you're a fan of Resident Evil, uh, the video games kind of, I am I mean, I haven't really played a lot of the newer ones. I was a pretty big fan of the older ones, like 10 to 20 years ago. Right. I I just I part of me told me it was going to be disappointing already. So and I'm a big Resident Evil fan, so it just hurt too much to try. I would say I did watch the entire series all the way through, mostly because there was nothing else on that I could find that I actually wanted to watch. But I did watch it all the way through. The first two episodes were really hard to get through. But after that, it was actually kind of interesting. They, they kind of told the story in an interesting way. They split off from the kind of like the present to the future and then dribbled in a little bit of the, you know, Raccoon City past. So I need to still watch the boys. I know you've talked about it. You've been promoting it for quite oh, yeah. a while. Like I need to sit and just watch. Is it done for this season? This season is, yes, this season is done. So they have very short seasons. So they're not a lot of episodes, kind of like Game of Thrones. I mean, they're huge episodes. They're just not, you know, very plentiful during the season. But it was, it was pretty good. So I would say maybe the first two seasons were better. But, you know, a lot of stuff happened during this one. Also, uh, the dude from Supernatural is in it. It was He's a pretty good character, Soldier Boy. So that made it kind of interesting, kind of livened it up a little bit. Soldier Boy, like the rapper? Yes, exactly. Soldier <laughs> Boy, the rapper was I guess that's Soldier yeah. Boy, not Soldier Boy. Yeah, Soldier Boy. So basically, he's like a, like a relic from the past that was frozen in Russia for like 30 some odd years. But it turns out he's an absolute fucking asshole, just like the rest of the soups. So it was a good show, though. You got to watch it. Yeah, I need I need to do that. It was funny because I was I I just saw in my email Game of Thrones is supposed to be coming back next month on like the 20th, so I might have to invest in another membership for a while. Yeah, me too. Um I am going to definitely wait until it actually comes out because I'm not sure how many launch dates this has been, but from what I was aware made aware of, it was supposed to be dropping like earlier this spring in, I think, what was it? it was Possibly a, like it February like, or yeah. March. Yeah, it was like February. Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully this is actually when it does drop. Hopefully it's ready to go and they got, you know, they polish it up and it's all good. But yeah, I'm kind of excited about it. I know a lot of people are still disappointed, but fuck it. I liked it, you know. And what else are you going to watch? There's nothing good. Exactly. 
Exactly. Well, Phil, uh, enough out of our bullshit. Let's get into what this week's episode is going to be about. All right. Before I start, I want to apologize because the goddamn monsoon here has been killing my sinuses, so I sound a little bit uh, nasally. So (laughs) sorry about that. But here we go. The White House. With the recent exception of Amazon's corporate headquarters in Seattle, Washington, the White House has served as the ultimate seat of power in the United States. This has been ever since its construction was completed early on in our nation's history. With the building itself, and also the power of the leaders inside, steadily growing and transforming over the last two centuries. With renovations and upgrades making the house on 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue fit for the leader of the free world. For only a short period of time, though. This is in contrast, however, to DC legends, which say that there are a few exceptions, with some of its residents actually staying longer than their short terms of office. Okay. Uh, By the way, isn't DC Legends a terrible TV show? Yes, it is. I just realized that while saying it. (laughs) I meant meant Legends from Washington, D.C., not the D.C. Legends. Yes, correct. Okay, correct me if I'm wrong, and I don't know for sure. Maybe you don't either. Every president that comes in, they personally, like, change a section, the section that they kind of live in just for them, right? They do. So a lot of the times it's the first ladies who do kind of like the little, you know, it's not it's not huge changes. You know, there's never like like a jackhammer being taken to it. Those those decisions are kind of like they go to other people. But yeah, like changing the curtains or, you know, maybe ripping up some carpet or some shit like that. Yes, they uh, they do make like little changes. The biggest thing is kind of handling like the Christmas decorations every year. Gotcha. Okay. All right. I mean, obviously you're talking about when you say residents stayed long after the term, we're talking about a ghost or something, right? Yes, exactly. If they, if a president dies, do you think this was the place they enjoyed being at the most in their life? Ooh, that's kind of a rough one. I guess it depends on the, the man or the president, the person. Okay. Because a lot of them, like during their time, probably it was, I would say, the most stressful time in their entire life. But then they, of course, look back on it, you know, with fondness. Kind of like, you know, maybe a bad marriage or, <laughs> you know, like a bad situation <laughs> if you were a POW, perhaps. Right. You know? Or like if you're in the military, maybe your time at basic training. During basic training, you hated it and you wanted to be anywhere else in the world. But afterwards, you kind of miss the camaraderie. Yeah. Right, right. That's a good point. These leaders, stalking the halls and occupying the many historical sites of the estate, have been cited over and over again throughout the years, with one stand out among them whose spirit has been witnessed by many for decades reappearing right when it seems that the Union needs him the most. And that is the basis for the episode today, as we discuss the ghost of Abraham Lincoln, his own haunted past, and why possibly the White House might be the most haunted residence in America. See, when you said when the Union needs him, I figured you were talking about Calvin Coolidge, but I was way off base here. Um, (laughs) Abraham Lincoln, though, you know, he, he kind of a big figure, some might say. Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, William Henry, William Henry Harrison definitely comes to mind when uh, you know powerful presidents. But yeah, no, talk about Abraham Lincoln today. Okay, so old Abe, I know he's from Illinois. I don't know. I imagine 
I don't, I guess I don't really know that much about him, like growing up or anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm going to get into it a tiny bit okay. at the end of the episode just to kind of tell kind of his. He had a very tragic and troubled kind of history, which really led to, you know, maybe not him being, maybe he was destined to become president, but the kind of man that it turned him into. It kind of goes into that. Okay. So. I can't wait to hear it. Now, there are, like I said, many, many sightings of Abraham Lincoln in the White House. I'm just going to get through a few of them right off the bat, just to kind of start us off, just throw us right in the fire. Now, one of the first reported sightings of Abraham Lincoln's ghost was by the wife of 30th President of the United States, Calvin Coolidge, First Lady Grace Coolidge, when she had claimed to have seen the ghost of Abe Lincoln standing in the window of the Lincoln bedroom which during his time as president had actually been his office. And it is said that he was gazing out of the window towards the Potomac. Is, I don't know. Was Abraham Lincoln as like tall and like pencil shaped as he looked like? Yes, he was tall and lanky, especially for back then. You know, I mean, there's a lot more people who are, you know, over six foot now. Back then, it was pretty odd to see a man like, who towered over other individuals like Abraham. Was he, do you know his exact height? Was he like just as six foot taller? Oh, he was, I think he was six, five, six, six, maybe. I would have to look up his exact height. I know most people claim that he was, you know, taller than they were, obviously. So I would have to look it up though. You know, Grace Coolidge, I imagine she's probably pretty small. So seeing his big ass, uh, probably be pretty (laughs) scary. I wonder if the hat, was do they all say the hats on him in the ghost or no hat? Uh, from what I was reading, most people see him with the hat on. Okay, so he goes from so like from six five to like seven foot two, pretty much with that big ass hat. <laughs> yeah, on. yeah. From yeah. from the sound of the story, all right. So some of the stories are like differ a little bit. Some of the tellings. So from what it sounded like is she saw him. While she was outside, she saw him in the window. Kind of like that classic ghost sighting. Like kind of looking at her? No, kind of. He was like peering out of the window. Kind of staring off into the distance. Okay. All right. But there were other like little news articles that you could tell, you know, maybe were like kind of BuzzFeedy type articles where it was saying that she saw him like peering out of the Oval Office. But in most of like the history ones that I found, he was looking out of the Lincoln bedroom. Well, I mean, if it's called the Lincoln bedroom, then goddamn, he has the right to be looking at it, out of it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Is yeah. that where him and uh, his wife consummated? <laughs> well, everyone who <laughs> visits the, you know, the White House and stays in the Lincoln bedroom, everyone kind of wants to fuck in the Lincoln bedroom. So, well, I mean, you got to You almost have to, because I think Lincoln was the one who invented reverse cowgirl. I could be wrong, but I think he is. Possibly. Yeah, Yeah, there are. uh, Well, there are different, you know, kind of stories about his sexuality, but (laughs) we're not actually getting into that today. So the second sighting of Abraham Lincoln that I'm going to mention happened in 1940. And this was a very famous story from one of his many visits to the White House during the Second World War. And that is of Prime Minister Winston Churchill. Now, apparently, after getting out of the bath in his guest quarters, Winston Churchill was walking completely naked with a lit cigar hanging out of his mouth. While doing this, he was supposedly confronted by the ghost of Abraham Lincoln standing right in front of him. I mean, Abe, you know, 
had to show him who had the bigger dick in the house here. That's what I'm guessing. Oh, I'm guess had to show him the top hat. You're like, who's the man? You know, <laughs> I got the seven. Fo- <laughs> I got the seven foot reach here. The head of his cock has a little hat on it as well. When that be <laughs> and a quite- little beard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Abe, why do you grow just a thin slice of hair right on the tip of your penis? It's very strange. Um, <laughs> I can't remember what movie it is, but somebody was talking about. They were shaving their pubes, and they uh, they told the person that they got the Abe Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that is. This was pretty funny, though. It sounds familiar. Yeah, I I I want to say it's that movie Waiting. Yeah, that's the first thing that came to my mind. But uh, it's been so long since I've seen that bad boy. I need to watch it again. It's classic. Uh, oh yeah, definitely a classic comedy. But yeah, I mean, Waiting comes to mind, but it might be something else. So obviously Churchill, one of the most famous pictures of him has him with a huge stogie in his fucking mouth. So this dude couldn't even take a bath without smoking his cigar. Oh no. According to everyone who knew him, he basically just, he smoked all day. Like it's amazing. He lived as long as he did (laughs) considering his diet, his alcohol consumption and how many cigars he smoked. Right. Yeah. I I don't know. It's it's crazy. How old was he in the 80s? It was he like in his 70s, 80s. I believe he was in his God during the war. I don't know. Maybe he was in his 60s, maybe 50s or 60s. Damn. But yeah, he definitely whatever age he was, he looked older than his age. <laughs> he was, he in, was in he was in legendarily bad. I was going to say that I say during World War Two, he was actually in English 25. That's <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Now, in a quick response by the prime minister, Churchill said to the apparition in front of him, good evening, Mr. President, you seem to have me at a disadvantage. And apparently the ghost of Lincoln vanished right before his eyes. Honestly, though, if I was confronted by a naked Winston Churchill, I'd probably try to get out of there as quick as I could too. Yeah. (laughs) Here's the thing, though. Honestly, for because Churchill was big in World War One, right? And World War Two. And he was okay. So he was obviously huge in World War Two. Yeah. Uh, during World War One, he was kind of um, he's from kind of a prestigious family, but he wasn't very big. He was kind of like uh, like a junior officer during World okay. War. Okay. But should, he was a young man at the time. I shouldn't say big. I should say involved. Um, but what I'm trying to say is with both those wars, he probably saw some shit. So when he sees oh, the ghost yeah. of Abraham Lincoln, he's probably like, this is a lot better than seeing his friend Mickey's legs blown off or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. I actually think that God Churchill maybe was more involved in or than World War One, but that's not important. But yeah, yeah, he definitely saw some shit in his life. And you got to think, too, he was probably of everyone on Earth. He was probably under the most stress at that time of all the world leaders, considering his, you know, his country was on the brink yeah, at that point. Yeah. Little Island. Uh, Germany had taken over much bigger countries than than England there. Um, one thing I know, I think we've talked about this before, but I think it's in Kansas. There's like a World War One museum, and I've heard it's awesome. That's on my bucket list. I need to see that. Okay. Yeah. Is it a pro-German Museum, you know, it's kind of I know it's Kansas. Out there. Who but, knows what they like? <laughs> I know it's Kansas, but since it's like a military museum, more or less, I'm, I'm assuming it's mostly American stuff. 
Okay, there are a lot of neo-Nazis out in that neck of the woods. So I just, well, I was just wondering. <laughs> you got to make sure. Yeah. Now, like I said, this is a very famous story, and it is disputed whether the story is completely factual. Though, according to the legend, the former prime minister was said to be a fan of walking around his rooms completely naked, and even while staying at the White House. And after this supposed encounter, Churchill did ask to stay in another room during his subsequent visits. Okay, so that spooked him a little bit. He's like, I want a different room. Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, even... I mean, shit. I mean, it's a hell of a prestigious ghost to meet, but still, it's a fucking ghost, so... um. Was it Gorbachev who was naked in the White House, naked and drunk, too? I, I'm i not exactly sure, I, but I know he was a fan of the drink as okay. well. I'm so. pretty sure he was naked and drunk in the White House, too. So maybe it was just, you go to the White House, you get fucking naked. I don't know. Possibly. Yeah. I'm not sure if Gorbachev ever stayed at the White House, but who is the maybe one, he did. Who is the one post... Um, I guess the crap of the U.S. Boris Yeltsin. Was it Yeltsin? God, I swore it was Gorbachev. Okay, yeah, I have no idea. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Anyway, one of them stayed there and got drunk all the time, and I think he was pissing on the lawn or something. (laughs) They pulled a Johnson and just (laughs) pulled his dick out every once in a while. LBJ. (laughs) Now, that's a ghost I'd be afraid to see. Oh, definitely. Yeah. With his a ghost big dong that sexually angle. assaults you every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> Just slaps you on the back with his fucking dong. Yeah, yeah definitely not a great time. <laughs> so the next Lincoln sighting I'm going to mention actually happened a couple years later in 1942. This happened in the very same room that Winston Churchill had stayed in the couple of years prior. This happened to Queen Wilhelma of the Netherlands. Uh, She was a guest of the White House uh, making a diplomatic visit when apparently she had heard a knocking at her door. When she answered it, she opened the door and saw the ghost of a bearded stovepipe hat wearing Abraham Lincoln standing right in front of her, which apparently freaked her out so much that it caused her to faint. When she came to, the apparition was gone. Okay, so Abe, I can't tell if he likes scaring people or if it's just incidental. I guess knocking on the door, it's pretty ominous, right? He's probably wondering what all these foreign European leaders are doing in his house, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, Yeah, I don't know. That would scare the shit out of me. I can say that pretty confidently. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean, also, it's staying at any house, and then all of a sudden there's a fucking ghost there. Makes you want to, you know, get an Airbnb. Like, honestly, think about that. Anywhere you stay, you don't want to hear a knock on the door. Like, it's just, I don't know. It doesn't matter who it is. It scares you. Yeah. Honestly, though, being kind of an introvert, if there was a knock at the door, and I answered it, and it was a ghost, and they just kind of disappeared, I might be a little bit like, oof. You know, good. I don't have to deal with these people and I can shut the door. He doesn't Go back want to, to watching Netflix and my fucking chonies. He doesn't want to talk to me. Thank fucking God. <laughs> Thank God. I thought I was a Mormon. Yeah. Ghosts are much better than Mormons or Jehovah's Witness. Definitely. Now, like I, I kind of mentioned a little bit before um, about how Lincoln really shows up during important times. There were no more important times than when he was showing up. This was, you know, right after the Great Depression, like kind of during the Depression's decline and at the start of World War II. 
Uh, he's really hanging around. Also, he seems to be kind of hanging around during the Cold War years as well, as there were many other sightings of Lincoln's ghosts, including one by Dwight D. Eisenhower, who claimed to see the ghost of Lincoln walking towards him down a hallway. Harry S. Truman, who had attributed hearing phantom knocks while he was working late at night, that of being the ghost of Abraham Lincoln, though he never actually claimed to see the deceased president. Also, Eleanor Roosevelt's secretary, Mary Eben, had also claimed to see Lincoln's ghost sitting on a bed, quickly pulling on his boots, as if he was late for a meeting. Though one of the strangest sightings of Lincoln's ghost would actually come from the last witness that you would expect, and that would be Abraham Lincoln himself. He saw his own ghost. Yeah, a couple of times, actually, supposedly. No, here's the thing. You know, Harry Truman, weird guy. Um, w- you know, you'd expect him to get scared of a ghost. Eleanor Roosevelt's secretary, you'd expect her to get scared of a ghost. Now, Dwight D. Eisenhower, this motherfucker had made an internet, a galactic treaty with the fucking aliens, as we know. So when he claims to see a ghost, you probably want to believe him. Oh, I imagine Abraham Lincoln's ghost saw Dwight D. Eisenhower walking down the hall, beelined it out of them. Like, <laughs> Dwight D. Eisenhower, that was a fucking, yeah. Like, he was pretty serious dude. Well, I mean, if you look at him, he's got kind of a big body, and then he has a little, like, he has a head like a baby almost, but like a the Benjamin Button baby where it's really old. Like, yes. I don't know how to yep. describe him. It, his head and body don't line up that well. Yeah, definitely not an imposing man. No. Like, physically in front of you but he's got a lot of like bravado yeah yeah yeah. i'm just saying obviously i've never even heard him talk or anything but you've seen pictures of him so okay so i think i'm kind of familiar with abraham lincoln seeing himself but i want you to uh to fill me in on the details here all right in 1860 when abraham lincoln had just won the presidency and was at his home in springfield illinois He was standing by his mirror when he began to all of a sudden see a double image of himself in the reflection looking back at him. One being that of a younger, healthy man, which was actually the way that kind of he looked at the time. Yet the other, which was him, but in a much older, more decrepit state, having it said the complexion of a corpse. This frightened him so much that he would actually call his friend, journalist Noah Brooks, into the room to come look at the mirror. Though Brooks couldn't see his reflection, he did actually add this to the White House memoirs later. Okay, so even when this guy came in there, Abraham could still see himself as an older man. Yeah, so he was able to see it for quite a bit. And according to kind of like what Noah Brooks said, it was almost as if the two faces were like side by side, about three inches apart from tip of the nose to tip of the nose. That's how Lincoln described it to him. Huh. That's very interesting. Now, the reason I heard about this was the doppelganger thing, which I don't know. Are you going to get into that with this scenario at all? No, I'm not. But if you want to talk about that, uh, let me let me actually get this part, and then we'll talk about that for a second. Okay, sounds good. So he would later tell his wife, Mary Todd Lincoln, about his uh, occurrence or his apparition in the mirror. His wife, Mary, was a highly spiritual and mystical woman and believed that this was a premonition of her husband's future presidency, believing that 
Lincoln would win actually two terms, living out his first term, though not seeing the end of his second, which obviously did happen. Okay, so she, Mary Todd Lincoln, obviously as powerful of a wizard as Giselle Bündchen is Tom Brady's wife. Yes. But this is very similar to what I've heard where people say if you see your doppelganger, it's like an omen of something, like you're going to die or whatever. So that's where I've heard this because he saw himself. But this sounds more like not necessarily seeing your doppelganger, but more like seeing another or like seeing yourself from the future almost. Yeah, kind of almost seeing his like his ghost in his future kind of deal is kind of how I put it. Or, you know, almost this was more of a premonition kind of situation also you have to remember that the production of alcohol wasn't highly regulated at the time so he might have gotten pretty much just straight ether or straight ethanol liquor and uh you know been seeing double so that happens too sometimes him and his boys were filling up their stovepipe pats and seeing who could uh down it the fastest or something like that so he is probably pretty fucked up on some weird moonshine beer something another oh definitely Yep. Is he known for being a drinker, by the way? I guess I don't even know. I don't. You don't really hear like his legendary stories of drinking like you do hear about other like presidents and world leaders. So, I mean, obviously, we just talked about Winston Churchill, who, you know, pretty much was drinking from morning to night. Um, but no, I didn't. I've never really heard too much about him drinking. But I imagine like everybody drank back then. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. You, you almost wanted to drink because the water was so dirty. So, <laughs> at least alcohol sanitary mary todd it'll sanitize your organs after the water does the damage i'm getting the shits either way mary todd so might as well be from alcohol instead of dysentery <laughs> instead of your goddamn cooking <laughs> yeah so so i was gonna ask you quick do you remember the story of him seeing his doppelganger do you remember like what time frame he saw it like was it during his presidency was when he was a younger man I thought it was when he was a younger man, but I could be wrong. Okay, I'm not exactly sure if I've heard this story. Okay, so but. I I kind of remember. Maybe one day we'll have to do doppelgangers or whatever. But I almost feel like the one of the stories I heard he saw like when he was in college or whatever, saw it like walking somewhere in his dormitory. But maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. Okay, yeah, uh, maybe while he was. Kind of in like one of the hospitals or something. I don't think he went to college. So he was more self-taught. He basically self-taught himself in order to take the bar. So I'm not really? sure if he actually went to like an institution college. God, I swore he did. I guess it doesn't really matter. But yeah, we'll, we'll probably do doppelgangers in the future because it is a very interesting paranormal thing anyway. So maybe we'll look into it then. But we're going to assume this is either... A ghostly image or like some sort of an image of himself from the future. That's kind of what I'm getting from your description here. Yeah, being a uh, being your basic bitch, Irish, you know, pale, bald, kind of starting to get a little chubby. I actually see my doppelganger quite a bit and it is freaky. <laughs> so <laughs> I see I see the I see the older me walking around all the time and it's pretty scary it makes me want to go to the gym more honestly <laughs> you know what whatever's motivation honestly <laughs>
Definitely. There was an instance a couple of weeks ago at the bar where I told my brother, I was like, I'm going to fucking gym like tomorrow, like after <laughs> seeing that shit. But that's for another time. Now, this may have affected Lincoln's belief in how he felt that he would be killed in office, often abstaining from security recommendations for his own personal safety, uh, many times riding alone to Soldier's Home Retreat, which was kind of his summer retreat away from the heat in Washington, D.C. With one assassination attempt in August of 1864, this happened when a gunman actually took a shot at him while he was trotting at a kind of a leisurely pace. This was just before midnight. After the incident had occurred, Lincoln would actually be on his horse racing towards the gate. Uh, he would get to the gate and be approached by Private Nichols of his personal guard at Soldier's Home. He would claim that his horse had been spooked by something and that his, and that his hat had felt, fallen off. Though, when Private Nichols later went out to investigate, uh, he actually found Lincoln's silk plug hat on the ground. Though, he did find a bullet hole going straight through it. He had noticed that the bullet must have been fired from an upward trajectory, as if the gunman had been lying in wait on the ground along the road. So, Lincoln didn't even realize he was being shot at? Well, so he basically was just kind of, you know riding along on his horse, and then yeah. all of a sudden, this is what he told the guard. So he claimed that his horse had been spooked, and that, you know, made him basically race back to the to the gate, because the horse was freaked out. That's kind of what he told the guard during the instance. I'll, I'll get into it more in uh, a little bit, but... Okay. I didn't even know there was a first assassination attempt, on, honestly. Oh, yeah. Actually, I took a conspiracy theory class when I was at college. They talked about the Confederate Secret Service. There was a big conspiracy to, well, I'll talk about it in a bit too, but to abduct the president uh, with many different players, including some Confederates in Canada, financing the whole situation. Okay. Hell yeah. I cannot wait to hear this because I've never heard any of that. Yeah. I really need to do an episode on the Confederate Secret Service. It's really interesting. Yes, you should. I didn't even know they had one. Yeah, it's not the Secret Service like we think of it. It's more of a Secret Service as in, like, you know, James Bond 007 type shit. <laughs> They're, you know, trying to subvert the Union government situation. <laughs> it's like James Bond, but all hillbillies. Without teeth, and they can't read, of yeah. course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't have, like, a gun with a silencer. They just have like a blunderbuss with a raccoon stuffed in the barrel of it or something to silence it. I don't know. Yeah, of course, you know, we don't think all Southerners don't have teeth and can't read, just Arkansas. But <laughs> Lincoln would actually tell the guard the next day that it must have been just a stray bullet uh, and that really the guard should not mention the situation to anyone else. Even after the young guard had showed the bullet hole through Lincoln's hat to the president, he would later tell a friend, Ward Hill Lehman, about the incident, telling him that he was at a slow trot when the shot rang out. He had thought it was at a distance of about 50 yards and that he had become separated from his $8 plug hat uh, when the horse freaked out. He also told his friend the same thing that he had told Private Nichols, that he thought that it must have been just a hunter, and he really didn't think it was an assassin, though this was most definitely an assassination. Could it be that he was having sex with his hat and he blamed it on a gunfire? 
<laughs> Possibly. It was the original yeah. Fleshlight was his big, big ass hat. <laughs> he found an advantageous moth hole in his hat. Yeah. And yeah. A bear scared him or something. He's of like, course. I mar- I miss Mary when I'm out in the road and it gets awfully lonely. So I gotta, <laughs> you gotta find sources where you can. Okay, 50, yeah. 50. I was gonna Go I was gonna say really quick, it's very hard. So for our gunmen out there, it's very hard for Lincoln to be mistaken for anyone else or for anyone else to be mistaken as Lincoln. Later on in the stories, he's at a battlefield and there's snipers from hundreds of yards away that see him clear as day. So Well, it's not that hard to miss him, Phil, when he's riding on a horse's fucking feet drag on the ground. For fuck's sake. <laughs> Definitely. Like, you can pick that out pretty easily. <laughs> so basically, from the kind of, I was reading the story and uh, from Ward Layman's account of it, he really did sound like he was more scared of being killed by the horse and not as much by the assassin's bullet. Apparently, the horse really did take him for a ride. Yeah, they're, they're, they're a little nuts when they get scared. I mean, the like obese horse that we had barely wanted mm-hmm. to move. But when that thing got scared, that thing would probably trample your face like it's no one's business. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, basically any movie you watch, the horse always gets scared by a rattlesnake and just fucking takes <laughs> off. But yeah, it's I mean, honestly, if you were riding on the back of a and there was a gunshot that rang out, you would be pretty fucking terrified of being killed by that horse, too. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know if Red Dead Redemption's a good gauge of that because I don't think you could just go around shooting people off your horse. They probably would get scared. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Also, when the horse runs full steam into a fucking tree and you just kind of get up and shake it off, I don't think that happened. I, you never know. Now, another time that Lincoln purposely put himself in danger was when the Confederates were at the gates of Washington. The president had actually rode out personally to greet returning Union reinforcements to the city. Then he actually would escort them out to the battlefield himself, with snipers taking aim at him from a distance of about 800 yards. John Hay, Lincoln's private secretary, actually noted in his diary that night that a soldier roughly ordered him to get down or he would have his head knocked off. It's it's honestly amazing to me, even like the assassination guy, I didn't even think guns could fire 50 yards or like not even accurately during this time period. And they have snipers 800 yards away that could maybe pop his head off. Oh, well, I mean, it's not like the sniper rifles we have today. So, I mean, they were these these were basically during the American Revolution, kind of like when the term sniper came around was, you know, these really good woodsmen who were really good shots with their rifles with their muskets and they you know hunted snipes that's why they called them snipers but yeah they were kind of the ones trying to take crack shots at enemy officers you know subversion kind of type situations so when you see lincoln with his big ass top hat on you know just fucking standing there on a parapet you're gonna take aim at him yeah it's just so far away 800 yards it's so far like even like the world record shot is what, like with modern technology, I think it's 2000 yards, right? Or maybe it's further. Oh, no. Way. Well, no, like uh, army snipers have taken out people from over a mile away, which is 3,500 feet, right? It's like 5,600 feet, I think. Something like that. 5,000 something feet. Damn. Okay. Well, 
I guess we have advanced far beyond what I had anticipated. Yeah, and 800 yards is, you got to times it by three to get feet. So that is 2,400 feet away. So yeah, it's, I mean, for modern sniper rifles, 2,400 feet is nothing. But yeah, back then, I mean, that might be their maximum range. But, you know, they had their sniper nests kind of like laid out. They had their distances, what they wanted. So I'm guessing, you know, they kind of had everything set up. So Right, right. Also, it's not like they hit Lincoln. They missed him. Right, right. They're just trying to. Yep, they're just trying to get a lucky shot, basically. A good wind. Now, after the battle had ended, Abe and Mary would actually go visit the battlefield and, you know, some of the soldiers that had been laid up in the hospital. They were out there mostly to visit them. Mary had actually went back to the carriage and Lincoln went back to the same parapet the earthen parapet that he had previously been looking over at the battlefield at where he was shot at. Lincoln once again came under fire by enemy snipers who were still lingering around the battlefield with a Union surgeon three feet to the right of Lincoln taking a bullet in the leg. The president, being forced to leave the parapet to protect his own life, would then order that the abandoned houses along the river be shelled to take out the nests where the snipers were housed. This guy is literally like fucking Mr. Magoo at this point, Phil. Like he, <laughs> Definitely. he he's yeah. just walking. People are shooting all around him. Somehow he's miraculously not getting hit. I mean, what the hell? Yeah, you would imagine, I mean, him chest and then him just being like pulling out a book and being like, oh, it's a good thing I had my Illinois law book right in my pocket <laughs> and then a bullet just sticking out of it. You would definitely, I mean, he is so lucky. Uh, obviously, you know, point blank range, he's not very good at those ones. But basically, he put himself in danger. There's also a story about him nearly being assassinated on his way to his inauguration in 1861. I, you know, when certain people are just like really clumsy and like stuff happens around him, I kind of am envisioning him as that type. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, yeah. I, I, Jesus, I didn't know all this shit. God damn it, Lincoln. Yeah, he's definitely. Well, in the next story, too, you'll figure out like the same thing. So I mentioned the Confederate Secret Service and the plots to abduct President Lincoln before. John Wilkes Booth, weeks before successfully killing Abraham Lincoln in Ford's theater, had actually hatched a plan to abduct the president and may have even succeeded. This was along with his co-conspirators, though Lincoln had actually made a change of plans that very same day. He had actually planned on visiting some Union soldiers in a hospital, though he changed his mind and instead would go visit the National Hotel. The weird thing about it is, while John Wilkes Booth and his friends were lying in wait to abduct the president, Lincoln went to the National Hotel where Booth had actually been staying at during his time in D.C. Jesus. So, okay. Uh, if he wouldn't have changed his plans, his life, I mean, I'm not saying if they abducted him, he they wouldn't have killed him, but could have been a lot different, huh? Well, they, okay, so this was happening during the end of the war. The story is that had John Wilkes Booth and his Confederate conspirators abducted Lincoln, they would have ransomed him for every single Confederate soldier that was in prisoner of war camps, basically extending the war, you know. I mean, they're going to try to get Lincoln traded for, I think the number was about 20,000 Confederate soldiers. Damn, that's a lot of them. Yeah, 
Oh yeah, it's I mean it's game changing for you know keeping the Civil War going. So, but the funny thing is, had John Wilkes Booth, you know, maybe gotten diarrhea and just decided to stay home, went ate dinner in the hotel's restaurant, he would have seen Abe Lincoln there, have you know hanging out with his people. Yeah. So it's just crazy. So instead of seeing him at the hotel where he was the entire week before, he was in a, out in a field somewhere waiting for Lincoln who never showed up. He had to be pretty bored waiting for him to show up, huh? <laughs> oh, definitely. It, like before cell phones. Yeah. I don't know if he's it, brought it, something to read, but it was yeah. like a whole day and he's just like, oh, dang. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's kind of a fancy boy. He might have had a, a play to read or something like that. <laughs> That's but true. this is actually the point when John Wilkes Booth and his conspirator friends decide that they're no longer going to try to abduct Lincoln, that they're rather going to kill him. OK. Yeah. So right now, I mean, kind of I've gotten pretty big into like his later life. I'm going to get into kind of why his early life was so tragic and kind of what led him to be like, kind of like the melancholy also possibly, you know, some people do believe he may have been psychic, but you know, very odd upbringing. Just say that. Okay. Does the, is there any story of him listening to my chemical romance? Is that why he became so emo later in life? Possibly. Actually, 20 years after the genre had died, I've actually started listening to a little bit more from like that era. It's not as horrible as I remember it being. It's really not. That's a we, funny thing. We just kid because the emo kids. But uh, you know what? Maybe next time I see you, if you have like hair covering your face, Phil, I, I won't judge you. Honestly, if listening to emo music grows my hair back, I would shit all day. <laughs> but getting into Lincoln now, he was born to parents Nancy and Thomas Lincoln on the 12th of February, 1809. Abraham Lincoln's early life, much like his adult life, was marred by tragedy. This started with the sudden death of his mother when he was only nine years old. She actually passed away at the age of 34. She died from drinking the tainted milk from a cow that had eaten white snake root, dying after seven days of illness. This occurred in October of 1818. I didn't even realize a cow could turn its milk into poison. Oh, yeah. Depending on if a cow eats something bad, their milk is definitely affected by it. If you remember the great documentary Napoleon Dynamite, yeah. while he is in one of his FFA uh, competitions, he's actually testing milk for impurities during that time so well okay god i it's crazy to think this cow doesn't die but it will kill other things i wonder if it would kill its calf then no problem oh i imagine i mean you gotta think a bucket calf weighs about as much as a human and you know a hundred and some odd pounds right and if it's if it's living off of that milk then yeah i imagine it would Hmm. okay i guess snake root is an appropriate term for it then yeah, I'm not exactly sure. I did look up white snake root a little bit, and it's the basically it's something that kind of just grows wild. It's almost kind of like poison ivy. It just kind of grows in patches. Okay, interesting. Now, his father Thomas Lincoln would remarry, which obviously, you know, not not that big of a deal happens, you know, happens with everybody kind of. The weird thing is, he would actually marry the very next year on December 2nd, 1819 just 14 months later. 
to a woman that he had known during his time in Kentucky. Uh, he had actually traveled to Kentucky right after his wife's untimely death to meet her. She was also a widow. Uh, her name was Sarah Bush. Sarah Bush's husband had died a few years earlier in 1816. Sarah Bush would actually add her three children to the family along with Thomas's two children. Uh, actually, Sarah wouldn't be the evil stepmother you think she might be. She was actually a really good influence in young Abraham Lincoln's life, actually help him to heal from the tragic loss of his mother Nancy. Though, to show you that the times have definitely changed, apparently there was only a tiny bit of courting for the couple. As Thomas traveled to Kentucky to meet Sarah, he actually told her, I have no wife and you no husband. I came a purpose to marry you. I knowed you from a gal and you know me from a boy. And if you're willing, let it be done straight off. So basically, after that great speech, the two decided to marry the next year, and Thomas would actually pay all of her outstanding debts. Okay, Phil. Now, I, after you heard this, I'm curious, did you try to use this exact line on any dating app? Oh, yeah. You know, obviously Facebook. Yeah. You know, just, uh, <laughs> just dig up some old chicks from high school and try it on them. You know, even though I haven't seen you in 20 years, if you're willing, just marry me straight <laughs> off. Yeah, I'll pay all your credit card. Times are a lot different then. Like, oh, yeah, here's the definitely. thing. He almost had to have known somehow she was a widow, right? Oh, I imagine he had heard that she was a widow and he had probably heard that she wasn't doing very well. So when this occurred, I'm guessing that basically it was almost kind of like a mostly just on a like a financial arrangement he needed someone to raise his kids and she needed someone to provide for her kids so they just kind of brady bunch that shit i was gonna say know? this is literally the fucking brady bunch minus one kid they talk so weird i know at the time this sentence probably makes sense but i knowed you from a gal and you knowed me from a boy it just sounds creepy Oh, yeah. I mean, it's almost a little poetic. Yeah. But kind of like how they talk back then. Right. But yeah, definitely very, you know, it's very straightforward. Hopefully he kind of buttered her up a little bit first. Hopefully he didn't just kick her door down and just declare this, you know. And brought her a bucket of snake root. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> now, another great loss in Lincoln's life was the death of his supposed first love. Anne Rutledge. She had actually died of typhoid fever at the age of 22. Abe and Anne fell in love after Anne's fiance went out east and left her behind. Basically, he had promised to marry her, but then he flaked and started ghosting her. Kind of how the story went, his messages back home to her became like less lovey-dovey and more kind of formal. So Anne had actually told Lincoln that the two of them would marry just as soon as her fiance had released her. I'm not exactly sure like what releasing her would be, but that's what the story said. Okay, if this fucker disappeared, it's not like you can text him and or send him a message online as like, hey, are we still a thing? Like, I, you wouldn't even know if he was dead, probably, if he's headed out west. Well, yeah, he headed back east. Oh, back east, So sorry. he headed he headed back to the bay. So they were considered to be out west. But it's still, it's like you. Can, there's like five thousand different ways to die just traveling that little oh, yeah. area. <laughs> there's like, five thousand ways to die just going out, take a shit in them. Honestly, it's, yeah, that's very it, true. It's a it's a very bad time. It's very true. So Anne Rutledge would die after a wave of typhoid fever had struck the town of New Salem, Illinois. 
And though it is disputed just how close the two had actually been, according to some Lincoln historians, her death would crush Abraham Lincoln, causing him to go into a deep depression, even supposedly submitting a poem entitled The Suicide Soliloquy, released three years after her death by an unnamed author. This was published by the Sangamo Journal, a Whig newsletter out of Springfield, Illinois. Okay, so maybe this is where his emo stages kicked off. Um, you know, he's got maybe a little Linkin Park, little Mike Chemical Romance, little Fall Out Boy, Good Charlotte. He's <laughs> feeling it. The Suicide Sequil, so whatever. Um, that, that that honestly sounds like a song title on any of those albums. Yeah, he's got tears in his eye. The tears yeah. are dripping on his his pad of paper, chanting, I'm not okay. Just, you know, scratching that sheet. And I mean, I could read the poem, but it's it's not long. It's about 10 sentences long, but it, this episode's going to be kind of long anyway. Yeah. So, but he does, I mean, it's not for sure that he's the author, but Abraham Lincoln is mentioned in the So. Okay. Well, well I guess if you want to read it, including myself, we'll do it. Do it later. Okay. Now, after the death of Ann Rutledge, Lincoln would wed Mary Todd. She was a highly courted socialite with whom he would have a somewhat tumultuous relationship. Actually, the funny thing is Lincoln was actually rivals with one of her quarters, uh, Stephen Douglas, very famously a political rival in the future. Yep. But getting back into these two, they would actually have kind of a tenuous, not very lovey-dovey relationship. There was a lot of problems, including the fact that apparently Mary Todd Lincoln was the constant victim of migraines, which supposedly had gotten worse after she had injured her head in some way. This was possibly due to a carriage accident. Also, she suffered from what historians think may have been bipolar disorder, though it's been highly disputed over the years what might have actually been her problem. So, but she probably has some sort of a mental illness of some kind. Yes, something that most likely could be diagnosed and managed very easily now. She probably had that back in the day, which caused her to be a little bit erratic, let's just say. I mean, I'm sure at the time they just said she had like vagina demons or something. Like, I, you know, something weird, like, I don't know, vagina goblins that are messing with her brain or something, or she doesn't have enough God, or I don't fucking know. Oh, they would have called it hysteria back then. And then, (laughs) you know, the the prescription was an orgasm, a forced orgasm, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Delivered by the doctor. Not by Abe. No, not by Abe. I, I don't know. So it had to come from a professional. If anyone listens to Small Town Murder out there, they talk about this quite a bit. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty weird. Even the cheer up bitch. Yeah. Even though later in life, Abraham would go on to invent cunnilingus at this point in their life. He's not quite there yet. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> now, Abraham and Mary would have four boys in total, though. Tragically, only two would actually survive into adulthood with Eddie dying at the age of four in 1850. Also, their son, Willie, famously would pass away at the age of 12, possibly of typhoid fever, while the family lived in the White House. This occurred in 1862. Now, the other two boys, Robert and Tad, would live past their father's death, though their son, Tad, would only live shortly after to the age of 18. Please tell me 
His name was Tad Todd Lincoln. It wasn't quite Tad. So Tad was short for, I believe, Tom. But okay. I, I gave the nicknames. It was Edward, William, Robert, and Thomas. But everyone kind of called him by their nicknames. So I, Tad. I wish so bad it was Tad Todd Lincoln. That is such a mouthful. <laughs> Tad Todd Lincoln. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, any movie that you watch and there's a character named Tad, you know he is the douchebag son <laughs> of a billionaire. He has... One of those visors that uh, golfers wear a lot. Yes. We're like and he top. is definitely calling his lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> and his dad, <laughs> his dad, <laughs> he asks a lot, do you know who my dad is? <laughs> do you know who my dad is? Yeah. As he's getting kicked out of Harvard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For doing for her something that he totally did. Yeah. 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 Now, it seemed that of the deaths of his two children, it was William's death that really damaged him the most. This was while he was living in the White House, and it hit the family hardest, as Willie seemed to be the most like his father. Uh, the sudden death actually did happen during the time at which he had the most stress in his life, obviously, as he was the President of the United States, with the Civil War already taking a huge toll on himself and the first family. Apparently, this caused Lincoln to sink into a massive bout of depression. Honestly... It's, I think I think it would sink anybody into a massive depression. Um, oh, definitely. You yeah. know, it that's a lot to that's a lot to take in. Oh, definitely. Like the death, it's it's obviously you know terrible, but really back then it was a little bit more common to kind of you know people had more children because they kind of expected to to lose children. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's really sad. But it's kind of like just the truth that they live with. It's I mean, look how people died. His mother died from drinking tainted milk. When's the last time you've heard of anyone dying from drinking tainted milk? You know, it's yeah, it's I'm, just so it's just there's so many things back then that could kill you. Really. Right. I mean, I don't know unless she's lactose intolerant, but I don't think that kills you. No, not really. But I'm I saying mean, like in modern day. I'm sorry. In modern times, I think oh, that's the only no. way you could die of milk poisoning yeah if you drink like way too much of it then yeah maybe it can kill you but if you're lactose intolerant and you drink a shit ton maybe but i've never heard of anyone dying from being lactose intolerant so i don't know does does uh bezos do you think still breastfeed oh i'm sure <laughs> oh i'm gonna say allegedly supposedly okay. and possibly yeah i'm guessing he might be the one kind of people you know who likes to pay prostitutes to have you know <laughs> babies recently and then you know it's funny you know. there's a lot of money going to uh recent <laughs> women who've given birth recently i don't know why but uh, jeff he really likes that that fresh breast milk yeah i'm guessing with a dome that size he probably likes to have his head while he does it, so. well at least we know breast milk doesn't help you grow hair so i guess that that rumor's been solved <laughs> yep <laughs> Well, looks like, uh, no, nah, I wouldn't even say it. Okay. So actually, like his father, Willie is amongst the ranks of ghosts that haunt the White House. And as recently as pretty much right away. So right after Willie had died, he was seen as an apparition by his mother. She claimed to have seen him a lot, like many, many times. This also could just be her grief, though causing her to, you know, possibly hallucinate. Also, any mental, you know, anything wrong with her could have you know, compounded it, too. Well, we know nowadays, like, 
certain this one of the types of bipolar, I don't remember which one, but can lead to delusional paranoia. So not to say she's paranoid, but it can be powerful enough to like where you have auditory hallucinations. You know what I'm saying? Like you're seeing oh, yeah. shit. Yeah, there are. I mean, a lot of these. The funny thing is a lot of these ghost stories are auditory hallucinations. Possibly, you know, is one explanation for them. But yeah, it's it's so hard too because someone had the problems that she had nowadays that she was having back then. You could easily diagnose, but we just have no idea. We just all that we have are kind of firsthand and secondhand accounts of kind of like stories of her, you know, eccentricities. Yeah, pretty much. Right, right. So already a believer in spiritualism and mystics. Mary Todd Lincoln is said to have encouraged Lincoln to dip his feet into the practice of mysticism. She actually convinced him to actually hold seances in the White House with some of the most popular mystics of the day and to try to communicate with their deceased son. Though, according to accounts from the time, these practices were never very fruitful. Also, it's thought that Lincoln had always really just been highly skeptical about the visitors who had came to see himself and his wife. Uh, They would all relay much the same message, though, to the embattled president, that he would not live past the office of the presidency. Okay, well, uh, Mary's a little grim. We'll just say that first off. And second off, this is something that I have some knowledge about. During this time period from like, the beginning of the 1800s till, you know, wherever up to here. Um, even though this might seem like opposing to what we think of like radical Christianity and all of that shit during this time, this spiritualism and mystic stuff was very, very, very popular, which kind of seems contradictory to what you would think. But so her doing this isn't necessarily weird for the time period. I was reading, I started reading this book about the Fox sisters. Do you know about them? Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. So it goes into detail about how they were kind of in that perfect time period where they could kind of just glide and everyone is open to it and didn't really think of it as an evil thing like some people do nowadays. And so her doing all this, honestly, I guess doesn't really surprise me. It is a good way, I guess, maybe for her, for her grieving period as well. Oh, definitely. I was I was hoping that you would mention kind of like the it's almost like a spiritual awakening. A lot of people think of the spiritual awakening during this time frame as like a Christian spiritual awakening. But there was also a lot of like spirituality, mysticism, you know, a lot of magicians came from this time period. So they kind of explain it as a lot of people who had lost loved ones and relatives during the Civil War. Uh, in this time frame, really were kind of trying to find any way maybe to speak to their, you know, their deceased relatives, kind of to give them some ease. And this kind of happened at the exact same time that mysticism took a big rise. Yeah, yeah, it, it probably was actually a really fun time in like the United States. And I think England, it was big there, too. Like right now, where it's just like really funky, really weird. You're kind of exploring everything. Not so close-minded. Oh, definitely, yeah. And I did read a little bit. So they were talking about some of the the mystic. Uh, a lot of them come in pairs, or they're like really famous kind of magicians who come to the White House. And a lot of them, sadly, though, are 
charlatans, obviously. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah, yeah. they kind of do. They do talk about um, Lincoln's staff trying to like sniff out who were the worst charlatans who might be trying to hurt the president, the first family. Right. So there's there's uh, there's accounts of basically like visiting a seance where one of Lincoln's aides actually kind of like grabs the guy's arm and stops him from doing one of his magic tricks. Apparently he had like some kind of a magnetic clapper in his arm, like in up his sleeve to kind of make sounds that sounded like they were coming from a distance because they were muffled by his sleeve. So wow. it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Some of the tech, some of the, 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 like the magic tech that they had back then was pretty ingenious. I, I actually just remembered, I have a story about the ghost of Lincoln, but I'm going to say that at the end of the episode, because it's completely unrelated to any of this. Okay. We are almost there. So it, it'll come good. Up. Now it is impossible to argue against Lincoln's abilities as an orator, a leader, even a politician. Also, though, he may have been imbued with some unworldly ability, like his possible psychic abilities and the alleged gift for premonitions. Now, a lot of the mystics that I had read about actually told Lincoln that he had psychic abilities, that they could somehow sense it in him. Though mystics and charlatans, also, like they really do try to, you know, they're trying to get the con, trying to get as much money as they can. They had to see him as a whale. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's got a big voice, obviously. Um, the thing is, is like all this stuff we've heard about Lincoln, you know, I wouldn't honestly wouldn't be shocked if he was kind of like different or like, I, I don't know if I want to say if the Sixth Sense grew up and became the president of the United States, but, uh, yeah. you know, something weird about him, I think. Yeah, he is definitely kind of like you hear about kind of like Alexander the Great. There are just some people who are like just the top one of one percent. You know, they're just extraordinary human beings. Right. Kind of the situation. He so Lincoln, if in all right, really, if you look at Lincoln, he shouldn't have been more than probably like a clerk at a business. He really could have been anything big, but he, he basically he was never schooled. He pretty much taught himself to read. Then he taught himself law. And then he became a lawyer, got a successful practice, got into politics, and then kind of became president out of nowhere. And you got to remember, too, Illinois at that time was a nothing state, was out in the backwoods, and he became president. So Sometimes you just got to be the uh, smartest guy around and talk good. Yeah, basically. Well, I mean, his speeches pretty much like went across the country, his debates against Stephen Douglas. So that kind of really rose up his fame. It also rose up the ire of the South against him, which, you know, I mean, the Civil War was going to happen, but it definitely wasn't stunted at all by Lincoln getting the presidency. Right, right. Now, besides the ghostly sight of himself in his Springfield Holmes mirror in 1860, Lincoln also had other visions of his own demise, including famously one night towards the end of the war in early 1865. When he was working late and had fallen asleep in one of the bedrooms that he was staying in, Abraham would be awoken by the sobs of people coming from outside of his room. Okay, that's very intriguing. So what exactly happens next after he hears sobbings from outside of his room? So according to, once again, his old friend, Ward Hill Lehman, who actually wrote this down after hearing about it, Uh, Lincoln had actually told him a story where 
he actually was hearing these noises coming from outside of his door, and he began to wander down the halls until he had arrived at the East Room. There, a crowd of people were surrounding a table with a body covered in funeral vestments on top of it. This body was guarded by armed soldiers, and according to Lincoln, the crowds around the body were sobbing and staring at the corpse. Lincoln told Ward that he walked over to one of the soldiers and demanded to know who was dead in the White House. Then the soldier turned to him and said, the president, he was killed by an assassin. Oh, that is an eerie dream to say the least. Um, Man, he had a lot of things telling him he was going to die. I mean, according to these stories here, maybe it's not as pointed if he didn't die, but... There's a lot of like, I'm sorry, Abe, you're going to die, man. Yeah, I mean, he had a whole another four years to go after his if so, say John Wilkes Booth, say that the soldier didn't go to get a beer at the bar because he was bored by the play. Say the soldier was there. He stopped John Wilkes Booth. They arrested him. Say Lincoln never died. There was four more years for Lincoln to be assassinated at some point. I really do. Even if he survived that night, I really do not think he would have survived his his second term. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. I don't know. Very creepy life this guy had. Uh, you know, with, here's the thing we'll say. With ghosts, whether you believe them or not, usually when there's like a, let's say, a ghost of what, would be considered a person of some kind that was alive at one point. Usually the the tragedy surrounding them is always very sad. And obviously Lincoln, very sad life, even though he was president, a lot of stress, very tragic way he died. So I guess if we believe how usual spirits come, perfect fuel for one. Oh, definitely. I'm hoping that you that kind of like how looked into, you know, Ghosts and all that shit. Uh, the worse the story is, the stronger the apparition is, it seems like. Yeah. You know, you always hear about the worst ghost story, you know, the worst ghost uh, sightings and the worst places for haunted, you know, haunted places in, you know, like a mental asylum or a prison or, you know, like an old hospital where people were having their wings, limbs hacked off while they were awake. Just absolutely terrible stories. And, I mean, Lincoln's whole life, if you sum it all up, it's just the whole thing is tragic. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, like you said, maybe his ghost Israel is just the perfect, I don't know, mixing pot of <laughs> what, yeah. you know, I can't imagine he's probably the only presidential ghost that gets seen, but certainly one of the most tragic. I don't know. I wonder if people like see JFK in there. Uh, I'm not so sure about JFK. I do know that there are stories of Thomas Jefferson. Uh, people are said to hear TJ like having a guttural laugh and swearing and just kind of hanging out, basically drinking and swearing. Oh, so that's yeah. one of the things for Thomas Jefferson. There's also some other ghosts. There's some ghosts of, can't remember if her name is Mary Adams. Uh, it's it's President Adams. His Oh, Abigail Adams. Sorry. It's Abigail Adams, his wife was the one who pretty much planted like the Rose Garden. And they were actually trying to move the Rose Garden to a different spot on the White House lawn. And they claimed that her ghost, like the workers claimed that her ghost would just kind of like stand around and stare at them while they were coming to do their work. And they just decided to leave it basically. Like she was guarding the lawn. 
Okay. Uh, you know what I was thinking about the JFK thing? He probably, if he died, he's probably haunting like a brothel somewhere. Oh, it's probably, yeah, 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 definitely. So that's the place he truly loved more than likely. Um, I'm gonna, I'll tell my Lincoln ghost thing, and it really isn't okay. even about a Lincoln ghost at all. I remember I have this book. I haven't finished it because it's kind of dry, but basically, it's about a guy who was like the first person to utilize putting like setting up the frames to make it look like there was a ghost in the pictures from the 1800s and all that and i think literally on the cover it says the man who convinced the world he had a picture of lincoln's ghost so i'm guessing he found out how to make abraham lincoln look like a ghost on a picture and then tricked fucking everybody because you could back then and and yeah, so he's very infamous for that. Yeah, there is actually. So in one of the art, news or one of the web articles that I was reading, the the kind of the top image is of Mary Todd Lincoln sitting down, having her picture taken. And then it's Lincoln's ghostly image, like kind of standing behind her with his hands on her shoulders. And you can see through his hands. So I, that might be it's probably the, the picture that you're talking about. I probably I need to just like sit and finish that book. But um, yeah, it's it's a lot of like photography history, especially where you'd have to sit still for like 20 minutes for a fucking picture, which sounds awful. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's a it's a pretty interesting book, just a little dry. But uh, what do you think, Phil? Do you think his ghost is haunting the White House? I mean, I honestly I used to believe in ghosts a lot more than I do now. But I I do think that there are like certain like horrible, you know, times can kind of like make a rip kind of in time almost. So kind of what we're seeing might be like history rather than happening right in front of us, like the spirit world. Right. So I think rather than being the spirit world, I think it's kind of like a tear in history. So, so that's like, kind of what it is. Like you mean he if you're seeing his ghost, that's because it's. Him, when he was president, replaying in modern yes. times, kind of. Yep, exactly. Kind of like kind of like that photo you were talking about where they kind of just lay the, you know, the apparition photo on top of the real photo. You know, that's kind of happening, like, in real time in the present. It's just kind of like a shadow from the past coming, you know. Coming that's- back. I think ghosts are. It's kind of my own personal belief. I just don't think the whole spirit world thing, you know, ghosts. I don't think it's it's quite like that. I also, I mean, though that whole app, like the from the past thing, I would only give that like one percent. So <laughs> I would give the spirit world zero in that one percent. Yeah. What do I, you What do you think? What do you think ghosts are? Actually, this is a question that I've struggled with because. I think you and I are kind of the same. I used to be really big into it. I still love watching ghost shit and stuff. Yeah. But the more that you read about stuff, the more you look into stuff. And from this show and like when I was doing Bumblebutt, I don't know. It's almost like you kind of are opening the grass and you're kind of seeing past it. And it's like it gets harder to believe that they are the remnants of somebody's spirit or soul just lingering there i'm not saying it couldn't be possible it's just that part of my belief has went way down i don't know i'd probably be more prone to like the dimension thing 
like kind of like what you said, but who really knows? Will we ever know? I don't know. That's uh, it's just I think I've moved on from the person's spirit thing. I'll say that. Yeah, that's kind of how I am, too. It's well with uh, like UFO sightings. When I was younger, I used to believe wholeheartedly like UFOs were real. They were full of aliens and they were coming here to abduct people and do shit to them. <laughs> but now I've seen there's just so much fake shit out there and there's so much, you know, misdirection. And it almost seems like the government, it's not that the government wants you to, you know, not believe in it. It's that they want you to believe in it so that they can get away with their own shit. Yeah. So it's like the subversion. So it's kind of one of those deals where maybe it's because I've gotten gotten older and you kind of get a little bit more. You know, maybe like like your third eye starts to, you know, close up on you a little bit when you're older. But who knows? You know, could be. It honestly could be. Well, Phil, uh, if anybody wants to give us if they've had an experience with Abraham Lincoln's ghost, where can they reach out to us at? Yeah. If you've ever seen Abraham Lincoln's ghost or if anyone's, you know, shown you their genitals shaved into the <laughs> likeness of Abraham Lincoln, get a hold of us on our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. It's great hearing from everybody. Uh, you know, over the past couple of weeks, we've had, uh, you know, pretty decent amount of messages, you know, people giving us kind of show ideas, telling us what they like about the show, a lot of telling us like little corrections and all that, which we love all of it, you know, get a hold of us. Uh, also, if you really want to get a hold of us in an even better way, probably is on our Instagram, Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. Uh, love hearing from everybody, all of the encouragement, all the likes and shares. It's great. Keep it up. Cody and I also have our own Instagram accounts. Mine is SDPodPhil. Cody, you have one? Yeah, you can follow me at Cody Zabub on Instagram. Send me a message. Give me a show idea. All of that fun stuff. The last thing we need you guys to do is log on to iTunes, leave a short five-star review. doesn't really matter what you say, just preferably a five-star written to thank you to everybody who's taking time to do that. The other thing, uh, if you're a Spotify listener, it's even easier. You just log on to Spotify, click the show, click five stars. You don't have to type a goddamn thing. It's beautiful. And thank you to everybody who's done that as well. Phil? Beautiful episode. I uh, learned a lot today, actually, so I'm grateful for that. And maybe one day we'll find out if that old Lincoln, maybe Joe Biden will talk about seeing Lincoln's ghost. Who knows? Or what brothel JFK hunts. Yes. If, yeah, we'd love to know that information as well. Otherwise, guys, we'll uh, see you next week. Thanks, guys.